The Sporland Division of Parker Hannifin Corporation is sponsoring this podcast. Sporland is the leading manufacturer of HVAC and R components. Using quality materials and craftsmanship, Sporland maintains a commitment to innovation, manufacturing excellence, service, and support for its customers since 1934. The company is known for its catch-all filter dryers, thermostatic expansion valves, solenoid valves, pressure regulating valves, suction filters, electric valves, controllers, supermarket monitoring solutions, chemicals, smart service tools, ZoomLock Max Press to Connect, and ZoomLock Push, Push to Connect Refrigerant Fittings. If folks want to learn more, what do they do? Uh, you can go to sporland.com. I guess that's Jim and John for Sporland signing off. We've all been there in the middle of a job, everything going smoothly until boom, you're missing a part. United Refrigeration is your one-stop shop for all your refrigeration needs. Use your computer or smartphone to go to www.uri.com at any time of day or night to check stock on your favorite brands, such as Copeland, Sporland, Carlisle Compressors, Danfoss, Emerson CPC boards and sensors, Corel, Hussman parts, and Ketotherm. United Refrigeration Inc. is home to these brands and many more. Looking for information on refrigerant conversions or refrigerant banking? Quick access links on the homepage can get you to the information you need. All approved accounts are able to see live to the minute inventory and pricing. Product not in stock at your local branch? No problem. Use the nearby stock feature to find a local branch that does have what you need. Are you looking for a branch address, phone number, or after hours number? That's all available as well. Just click on the branch locator and search for your local branch. Have a model number and looking for a replacement part? www.uri.com forward slash ARP has a vast list of quick pick replacement parts. Just search for the model number of the equipment you're working on and click the Replacement Parts tab. If you don't have an account, click the Register button and we'll have you online in no time. With more than 400 locations in North America, each United Refrigeration branch is fully stocked for immediate pickup. Our branch employees have in-depth technical knowledge so we can help you get what you need when you need it. Visit your local store or www.uri.com forward slash ARP today. United Refrigeration Inc. has all your solutions down cold. Good, I think it's evening. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Advanced Refrigeration Podcast. You're here with your host, Brett Wetzel and Kevin Compass. Um, Kevin looks like he's, it's good, man. Kevin looks like he's dying already. It's only Tuesday. What the hell? Why are you dying already? It's Tuesday. It's it was fifty yesterday, and now it's twenty eight today. And it was like thirty mile an hour winds all day. And yeah, I was on a roof for eight hours straight, wiring up rooftop boards, just getting the shit beat out of me by rooftop doors with no uh, hold opens on it. So, you know, is this is this the same store that you were doing the Danfoss thing downstairs? Yeah. Yeah, now now we're upstairs with like I don't even know why we're putting them in half the rooftops. Half the rooftops don't work. <laughs> Opened up two of them the day. There was no power there. There was no power wires in there. Really? Yeah, I'm like that's that sounds awfully fun. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was it was not fun. Then Monday I worked on some. I don't even know what to call it. Some just hacked, cobbled together CO2 rack. It, it was, was it was it was green cool, not green chill, by the way. Because I once you sent me the picture. Yeah, whatever. I mean Swedish well, duck rack. <laughs> when I was well, when I thought green chill, I was thinking like that. That's why I said Hill Phoenix all of a sudden, because I was like Oh, it's all, you know, it's whenever they make, you know, they get it under the certification to make it green chill certified. So that's what I was thinking that it was, but it was not. It was some other company I've never heard of. Yeah, they were from uh, Sweden. It it, it honestly has to be one of the first transcritical racks in the U.S. What what customer, though? 
Or can you yeah, not Walgreens. say? Oh, okay. Well, because uh, that looked like a big, pretty big rack for a Walgreens. Like, how big is this fucking Walgreens? I mean, it's not like super big, but it's doing all the heating, all the cooling, all the refrigeration, which is pinched off. So, I mean, it was doing a lot, but like, I mean, the chiller load alone was probably 60 tons. Wow. I mean, it, it was a massively over, it's oversized, like without a doubt. Okay. Like the rack. But I mean, just you're talking the beginning of transcritical, probably. You think? Like no flash gas bypass valve. It's just solenoid, no, no stepper. Um, basic like control like schneider plc uh looked like a cross between if you took an lmp rack and a uh early carnot rack and slap them together it would kind of look like that but like then you made it even more impossible to work on and you said it was you said it was kind of butchered too like there was some what what was what would you find for the for the oil solenoids? So the high pressure oil solenoids that this was a high pressure oil system t- had a temp right coming out of it, kind of like a weird high pressure with a reservoir kind of um, setup, which I'll explain in a second. But like two of the high pressure oil solenoids on the on the the high temp compressors, the air conditioning compressors were definitely ASCO water solenoids that were rated at like 56 PSI. I don't know how they didn't blow out. And I thought, no, yeah, maybe somebody just slapped the coils on there that they couldn't find and like started taking no. pictures of it like with the phone like underneath. And it's like, oh, that's an ASCO solenoid that's not I mean it was thin brass. Thin. And you said and you said, didn't you say it was like a hundred it was a hundred and forty bar system? So like if it's a high pressure system, you're seeing like what fourteen hundred pounds at the fucking at the oil system, right? Well, yeah, I mean and it's made to shut down and idle. So it, it should it should die and not not blow the reliefs. But it's it's a little more complicated than that. Like the flash tank settings were like really high, like nine hundred pounds. And then like it, the the whole like control scheme, like it was some Schneider Electric PLC, like the whole control scheme was just like goofy and like didn't really work that well. The the way what they were doing, like it was very archaic. Mm-hmm. Like you could have thrown an E two in there and like done it like fifty times better, probably. Hmm. I mean, it, it was just like they were doing all the high pressure calculations with the with the with the the PLC, no, no 326, just, just ICAD drivers. I mean, it, very, very, like the PLC was a, a nice layout, but like half the shits in like different languages. So then you're you like looking up. You probably can't even get into the programming on the PLC unless you had a special right, cable because, program. Well, no, like you can get into the H, HMI display, but like the problem is, is somebody changed the password and nobody knows what it changed to. Did you try Walgreens? Yeah. No, it's uh yeah, it's uh there there's just a lot going on here. So like this 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 rack this rack simultaneously heats and cools the building and does the refrigeration. So it's it's a heat pump basically. Mm-hmm. The the core of this thing, it's a heat pump. So there's mm-hmm. there's like four geo wells that are like I think they're four hundred feet in the ground, it said. And yeah. So, so I like what what do you do at that point? So like, I mean, like me, I mean, I'm looking for the refrigeration schedule. I'm looking for, you know, any kind of documentation that's going to tell me something as some semblance of what the fuck it was supposed to be running at. Right. So there was a piping schematic on the wall, but like, I mean, I really didn't like fall that too much. Like I always started the same place with like stuff like that. I started the oil separator. No, but I meant like, as far as like it, you know, because you said, you know, the flash tank was like 900 pounds, but like you also said that, you know, you, you don't really know what, you know, why it's supposed to be there. So like, like that's what I'm saying. So like, if you look at most refrigeration schedules, it'll tell you, you know, about what your saturated flash tank pressure should be. And, you know, all, the, all that other stuff, as far as your suction, you know, you, you, you know, how the discharge is being controlled and all that other stuff. 
So it was a floating set point. So it went from like 535 to 9-something, depending on what mode the rack was in, whether it was in heat pump mode or if it was in uh, just normal refrigeration mode. Are they using are they using the flash tank pressure in order to heat the building or where are they getting the no, heat? So what they're doing is uh, they're using the parallel compression air conditioning compressors as parallel compression compressors. And they're actually using those to drive a chiller, which mm-hmm. is pulling BTUs out of the geo loop. Uh-huh. There's a there's a heat exchanger basically built into a uh, there's a water like heat exchanger built in uh, next to the rack that's taking it's either chilled water going through there and going out to the air handlers or it switches over and there's a geo loop that goes into this heat exchanger that allows you to pull BTUs out of the geo loop. And then at the same time, it's also rejecting heat back into the geo loop to keep the rack back loaded up and running if the hot water in the building gets to temp. Jesus. And you only were there for one day, right? I was there for like six hours. We got the hot water up to like 157 degrees is what I got out of it. All the refrigeration's cut off. Like it hasn't worked in months. Like all the lines are leaking. Like I, I, they, it was all pinched off the the cooler and freezer. So those those weren't running. the The whole way the rack is like piped and like set up is just like completely wrong. Like it's just no high pressure switches on the TC compressors. Like so, they're just blowing the the reliefs constantly. We pulled the high pressure valve apart. It was all covered in like sugar dust from like them TIG welding when not, you know, flowing nitrogen through. And uh, I mean, we got that. I mean, I think that was the majority of it. Like, I think the valves, the ICAD valve is uh, messing up. Yeah. Because it's, it's so gummed up with shit. But I mean, the whole thing is just like a hobbled up mess. Like we were looking through like books and like trying to find everything. And it's just, very poorly laid out piece of equipment. Like you would have had to spend a day just t- calling all the engineers that, that originally did all the drawings. So you can see what the fuck and how it was supposed to be running originally. In Sweden. It? International calls. <sighs> and it's like 3 AM there when it's like, they, I mean, they're like a huge time difference. Send an email. Yeah. I mean, at that point, like it's just, I, was there for a favor and we got it back running and yeah it's probably you don't want to do more favors huh? not so not with that like it's stuff like that it's like then i'm married to it well that's the thing like once i yeah, that's why i don't do any side work at all because i mean how many times i'm like yeah i'll just go over there and you know charge it up for the time being just to get you through and then any other fucking hiccup from there on out it ends up being mine and I'm just like, no, no, can't, won't, don't want to do it. You yeah, know? this wasn't side work. This is through like my company, but I mean, no, I get it. I get yeah, it. This is, uh, oh, well, that's what all I mean is like doing favors for people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I try to, but I mean, like right now, like I, I'm so backed up with work. Uh, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm ready just to, you know, bash my head against a wall sweet no i um i'm in california this week uh doing some training again again i think this is the last time i'm actually doing training for the year though um until october november december so it's the beginning of the year well I, I i know but i just meant for our training season because our training season goes from october november december january february march so i'm not training anymore i got a family vacation coming out with march and then I'm supposed to go somewhere. Oh, oh, the, the yeah, I'm going to be back in California back on the 4th or something, something like that. I don't know. I got to spend a lot of time down in Houston. I got a shit ton of work to do and things just keep happening. It's just not fun. But what are we talking about tonight? I, I heard something. You said something about thermal imaging. So we're going to talk about uh, thermal imaging 101. Sorry. Turn um, off your fucking phone. Is Greg? Is Greg? Is you know, I thought it was Greg texting you. 
No, it's my. It's By my the way, you're not allowed to talk to him anymore because he fucking gives me shit all the time now. Oh, it's so great. Bad. He gives me so bad of an attitude. So, like, I, I guess ever since he got his polo, um, uh, yeah, ever since he got his polo, uh, he uh, he now has become very arrogant. So, and which which may kind of make sense because he's hitting that five year mark. Although, when we get off here, I got to tell you a funny story how they ended up at a wrong side of the neighborhood out here in California, unless you want to hear it now. No, we'll, we'll do that later. You want to hear it now? Uh, hear it now? No. Oh, you're so uh, blame. So, all right, we're going to talk about thermal imaging 101. So, as you guys, you know. Got a better story than thermal imaging. Yeah. God, I fucking hate you some days. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about thermal imaging. Everybody's seen a thermal imager for the most part. Like they're they're starting to become more and more commonplace. You're starting to see them in supply houses. You're starting to see them, you know, techs have them. So, what is a thermal imager? So, a thermal imager is a device that measures the temperature infrared rays that are coming back off of a piece of uh, material. Did I freeze? I, I can't hear you. Oh, it's because I'm muted. <laughs> I was trying I, I was trying to be I was trying to be polite while you were talking. No, I thought I froze. <laughs> no, you didn't, you didn't freeze. So uh, all right, a thermal imager is measuring the infrared rays coming back of a, off of a piece of material. So this is where we're, we're we're going to talk about a couple of key words here, thermal emissity. So thermal emissity is how much the rays come off of something. So the best way to look at this is to look and see how much electricity something can conduct. Like copper is, or aluminum is very emissible. Wood is not very emissible. Like wood is very dense. It's, it's not going to, it's not going to show up very well, but like, aluminum copper metal uh plastic stuff like that is more emissible so it's going to show up more on a thermal imager now thermal imaging what could you use it for for us in the hvc and refrigeration trade a ton checking compressors checking door gaskets checking door frame heaters checking heaters on coils checking for air gaps and air leaks so we're going to go over uh, uh, each one and break it down. So compressors like got to be one of my favorite. So you're looking at valve plates on like Carlisle's or Bitzer's where they have split heads. So if you're looking at them, you could easily tell which head is is blown or has a uh, bad uh, gasket or a bad. Uh... Go ahead, Brett. No, I just want to remind you since you're talking about it because guys are gonna be like, well, what is he talking about? Do me a favor and send me some pictures so I can throw that shit up there on the Facebook group. Yeah, I will. So right. if you have a bad gasket or a bad valve plate, you can instantly see it because you have one head that's half red, half blue. You know, it's got suction gas going on one side and discharge gas going out the other. And you got one head that's glowing red, basically, or orange, depending on how you have your emissity set up inside your thermal imager. It'll be glowing, glowing a different color because it's way hotter. So right then and there, you could go, okay, boom, I know I have to pull that head. The other head's fine. I could just pull this one. So right then and there, you have a leg up on another technician. Instead of just you know performing an efficiency test, you're performing an efficiency test and knowing which head you have to pull. So it makes that easier. Um, finding issues with like a presser, like with uh, bleed by. If you're like blowing discharge gas in the crankcase more, you could see, okay, you're looking, this crankcase is, you know, glowing red or this crankcase is warmer than the other crankcases. Why is it warmer than the other crankcases? So instead of like going around with an infrared thermometer, like, like all the old guys do, you know, the little thermal gun, you know, that's really not really that accurate. You can go around this imager and see the whole picture. Uh, for compressors and stuff like that, loose wiring is a huge one finding uh breakers before they cause issues you know with uh, loose connections on breakers that are you know especially like large breakers like rack breakers like when i'm doing pms i'm checking the the rack mains 
you know, to make sure there's no, you know, no loose connections without me having to physically get out tools and look at them. I'm wait, able to look at them. I'm confused. When do you do PMs? I haven't done PMs in a little while, but. I'm just breaking your balls. Sorry. That's the last time you had a tool bag. <laughs> I carried a tool bag today, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, going through PMs and checking like the rack lugs, that way you could see, you know, without having to get out and, you know, tighten lugs on the, on the rack, which you don't want to do that, especially if it's in the switch gear, you could just check the switch gear and see if you have a spot that's warmer. You know, you, it'll show up plain as day. If, it, if there is a loose wire, you know, you'll have one that's like, you know, five, 10 degrees higher than the other. And that's, a, you know, something you got to investigate and maybe have an electrician come tighten the lugs down or shut the, shut the gear down and tighten the lugs down. Or if you're checking contactors and stuff, you could look through and, okay, there's, you know, number three contactors got a hot spot on, on the L2 on the, on the points. You can see that that's this is more of like a predictive maintenance in, in, in a sense. You could tell something's going to fail before it does because you're able to, you know, look at the thermal imager and see the hot spots in there. And, you know, you're able to change that part out or tighten that connection or, you know, fix that wire that's burning up before another tech is going to be able to see that. You know, you're able to predict that failure. Also with compressors, you can see, especially with the the pesky super plus racks, right? That have the you know um, external line that goes from uh, oil oil pot to oil pot. You know, basically you can see if you know what oil is going out from that one compressor to see which one is basically pressurizing the rest of the loop and causing oil failures on the rest of the rack. So that yeah. comes in quite handy. The other cool thing with that, if you got pots over oil pots overfeeding, which you could usually, you know, test this with your hand, but this is a really cool like training thing for like apprentices is you show them what the imager, you show them the oil lines and you could see which pots are overfilling, you know, which ones are constantly feeding that oil, especially on the super plus racks. Cause I don't know, for some God awful reason, those things had like the worst oil issues ever. I think it's, you know, honestly, I think it's a misunderstanding on how that system works, like why you actually have that sec that secondary line that comes off the off the oil pot, which is essentially the crankcase and not knowing like when and where, you know, those lines are, you know, what what's the reason for them? Right. And a lot of people don't valve understand them all off. What valve them all off? No, don't fucking listen to him. I valve oh. them all off. And the on call guy will thank you every day. I, I get what you're saying, but like, you know, a lot of times, like, especially with Carlisle compressors, if you have that one compressor that just keeps running full bore and that one compressor keeps filling up with an obscene amount of oil and you have that valved off, as you say, now all of a sudden you're losing, losing compressors because that fucker's filling up with too much oil. I've never seen it help. I've never seen it stop a compressor from overfilling. Maybe you don't understand how it works. I know you how to, you need to watch more videos. Yeah, I know how it works. I just never seen it actually function in the way it, it's supposed to. As soon as you change that separator out to one that's properly sized, the, the oil issues usually go away. That's one hundred percent positive. Yeah, I mean those 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 first gen temperites were or uh, those first gen centrifugals were like way oversized. Hundred percent. So back back to the thermal imaging. So on the compressors, obviously we went over that. And then the oil, being able to see the oil system with that is a huge, you know, deal. The other thing is it depends on, on how much heat's in the system when you're doing this. You could also see receiver levels. Generally, you'll have to stop the system to see it, let it cool down to see a different level in there. But checking on uh, self-contains, you could check receiver levels. If they have a receiver or like single units, you could check receiver levels on there. And uh, receiver heater is really easy. If you're doing PMs, just, you know, breeze by. Okay, that, that receiver heater is working. Crankcase heater, same thing. You could see if those are working like instantly. Hey, guys. Today's episode is sponsored by Westermeyer Industries Serviceable Oil Floats. Many oil separators contain an oil float to effectively meter separated oil back to the compressors. Westermeyer Industries has taken this concept and perfected it with their new line of serviceable oil floats. These floats feature an improved design with fewer components, allowing for greater manufacturer consistency and up to 20% increased oil flow 
versus their legacy models. These floats also feature an integrated magnet to shield the oil path from debris and have been field proven in supermarket applications. Westmire Industries offer replacement oil floats not only for their own separators, but also cross-compatible models for our competitor oil separators as well. You can find out more about the Westermeyer Industries serviceable oil floats by visiting westermeyerind.com backslash floats. Once again, that's westermeyerind.com slash float. Let's get on with the episode. You can shoot a hot gas bypass valve and see if it's feeding or the receiver repressurization valve and see if that's feeding when it's really not supposed to. So I mean, that is pretty cool. Like, I, I'd love to see if I can find a picture of it. I have, like, a picture of, a like, an undercharged uh, headmaster, and you could see it. It's it's cool coming in, but the whole bottom of the valve is red as it's injecting hot gas into the top of the receiver, and the whole top of the receiver is red. Sweet. Is it, I mean, you could see that 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 whole operation of the headmaster. So, in a sense, you could almost use it to help troubleshoot. Absolutely. And back to the oil, I mean, you can also use that thermal imaging camera. Um, you know, we've talked about it on a lot of the oil uh, oil podcasts that we've done. Um, if you haven't listened to them, I recommend going back because there's so much good information there. But you know, uh, you know, Kevin Kevin had stated at one point that um, you know he likes putting a Cooper on the bottom there of the of the you know of the float. And seeing it actually feed, and you can—it's really cool to take a thermal imaging camera and doing that same thing, but seeing like the spurts of when it fills up and then shoots out, shoots out the oil, and vice versa. You know what I mean? So you can actually see if that's feeding properly the way it should. Yeah, the only thing is, like with copper, is it's kind of difficult to the way that copper shines back. Like you need to have a, like a higher quality thermal imager to look at copper. Yeah, well, the, the other thing is that there's also settings in a lot. Which one do you have? You have the flare what? I have an E6 attacked in okay. E8. Okay. Well, there, there I, I believe in, in my cheapy one, I only have the $300 one. But like in mine, like I can change. Um, it also has to deal with how shiny something is. So yeah. like sometimes the shinier it is, you have to change that one setting to make it, you know, show more prevalent on things that are shinier. I forget because as Kevin stated numerous times that I haven't been out in the field in once in a while. Yeah. So like the shinier it is, the more it affects it. Like, and then same thing with glass. So a thermal imager will not see through glass. So glass disrupts the, the thermal rays. So it can't see through the glass. It stops the thermal rays from hitting it. So the thermal imaging, you're not going to see through walls with it. You're not going to see through concrete, for the most part, you could see like radiant tubing in, in concrete, but you're not going to see like straight through. I mean, it's going to see the first surface that it is, and it's going to read that surface temperature. So you're not going to see through walls and stuff, but you are able to see, you know, radiant floor leaks. We, we use it to find a radiant floor leak in my buddy's uh, barn. Like we were able to find where the radiant in the radiant floor they have in floor heat in the concrete we were able to see where the boiler was losing water through the floor i mean it go ahead Brett. you you muted oh sorry you had to dig that up you had to dig the concrete up to yeah fix that? They, they had to cut like a square of it out and uh you know a one by one square and just fix the pex tubing where it was leaking instead of cutting out like a massive chunk of concrete how does that happen though? Like that—that's something I never understood. Like, if you have PEX tubing and it's in fucking concrete, how does it end up getting holes in it? That, it was just it... like like a tube failure. Like it happens quite a bit. Really? I mean, it was just—it wasn't on a joint or anything. It was just a tube failure. I mean, somebody probably stepped on it when they were putting it in, or I mean, walked on it. I mean, or was rubbed against rebar. But like, yeah, we were able to find that and you were able to fix it without ripping up a huge section of concrete. So that's where a thermal imager comes in like super handy too. So I guess, I guess hell if you're a plumber, I mean, that would be kind of helpful too, to try to see where you got shit leaking out in the yard. Right. Yeah. Like water lines. Like I found my septic with it. Oh, well that was, I forgot I did this. So the first week in my house, um, uh, my daughter, my middle one, um, she decided to throw something down the toilet. I went to go flush the toilet and it didn't work. And I was like, I was just in here, you know, two hours ago. Like what, what the fuck happened? I was like, who was in the bathroom? And she's like, I was, 
I'm like, did you happen to put something in the toilet? She's like, it accidentally fell. And this is a ball that, you know, like almost like a pickleball, right? Like, you know, almost the size of a small baseball. And I was really pissed because I kept trying to, you know, clear whatever was out, you know, in there out. And I just couldn't. And I just wanted to make sure I wasn't losing it because I didn't know if this said ball went into the piping and backed everything up or it was stuck in the gooseneck of the toilet. So I ended up pouring really, really hot water down there and then hit it with a thermal imaging camera. And you could see the ball stuck in the gooseneck of the fucking toilet. So the first week I'm in the uh, in the in the new house, I'm on the yard with the toilet ripped out on the front yard, trying to trying to get this fucking ball out. But that was a good, useful, you know, time that I used my thermal imaging camera. Yeah, I mean, it, it does work for stuff like that. I mean, I was able to find my septic field when we moved in this house, like find the septic lid. It's run the bathtub and, uh, you know, you could see it plain as day. You could see the line going out and you could see uh, uh the, the heat coming out of the septic. What are what so, are some other uses that, that you've well, you've seen the thermal my, imaging used for? One of my favorites is uh door frame heaters. So you're doing a PM and you're going through stuff and you're troubleshooting door frame heaters, or you're you're looking at door frame heaters. You could literally walk the whole aisle instead of going through each one with a contact thermometer or a contact pen and making sure they're working and making sure they're, you know, the, the doors are warm. You could literally go through the whole aisle, scan it by just by walking or finding bad doors, like doors where the argon seal has been lost or doors with the heaters out before it's like sweating. So say it's like right now in Chicago, like, I mean, you could have doors with bad heaters in them and they're not going to show up. There's no humidity right now. It's, you know, the stores are like, you know, nice tempered, you know, nice, uh, nice and dry so i mean those doors are going to show up but like you're doing the pm now okay you can find five six bad doors just by you know going through and you know with the thermal imager okay red 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 blue okay that one's blue it's not you know it's not heating and you go over to make sure it's got power it's got power and the next you know you're you're writing up a door so it's like easy you know pm stuff you're catching stuff on pms that other guys aren't going to catch or vice versa you're working on frame heaters so say you're working on the anthony frame they may have five to seven heaters in it okay well you either got to rip all the mullions off to figure out what's going on to figure out what heaters doing what or what what's going on now with this thermal imager you could shoot that frame and say okay Door two and three, those heaters aren't working and the inner heaters aren't working. Okay, all the other heaters seem like they're good. So I'll just pour, pull door two and three and check the heaters for those instead of, you know, pulling off the mullions and covers because I don't know about you. Anytime I pull those black covers off, it is I spend more time cussing and hating my life trying to get those things back clipped on than anything. Or they always like you're going to set them down, they bend like slightly and then it won't go back together and you just like just hate everything. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I, I uh, um, you're talking about the the uh, Cusman ones, right? No, the, the the Anthony ones with the with the shorter frame covers. Oh no, I, I didn't know that. No, nah, I don't. No, I don't know. The Cusman ones are a pain in the dick because they like you gotta like peel out the screwdriver and it's all fiberglass and like you peel just a little bit too hard, you're gonna crack the fiberglass. Hundred. <laughs> So speaking about plumbing, you can also use it for, you know, finding a, a restriction in your, in your case lineup too, right? Instead of having to try to, you know, cut and, you know, cut and figure out where you have a, a potential blockage in your drain, you could also use the thermal imaging for that as well. So plugs, on occasion, this comes out of the van for plugs, like in lines. Plugs, like? Like liquid plugs or like suction plugs. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. obviously, I'm, I do startups primarily, and uh, it happens from time to time. Mm-hmm. It's it's gotten worse here lately. We've had a lot of double plugged pipe again. Like it seemed like it happened like five or six years ago, and it it came back again. Refrigeration piping. Yeah, that sucks. So like double plug pipe, and if you don't get like experienced pipe fitters, and like like you get some like newer guys or apprentices or green guys piping stuff, and they don't look down the pipe and there's a double plug and like another three foot down getting a pipe plug in there i mean i've used it i mean it's it's kind of a bitch if there's insulation but like 
if you're using it like you know shooting the copper you could see okay it's like 80 80 10 oh shit like that's where it's that's where it's metering at wait wait you're seeing that on the on, on the liquid side i think you see that but uh, even on the suction side you're gonna see the that suction type. side you can usually see it too because usually the other side of the pipe is usually more room temp Oh, it's going to be warmer, right? So you'll have a nice, cool temperature on the inlet side, and then on the outlet side, it's going to eat shit and get get warmer. Then, right? Uh usually it's the opposite. Usually the suction side, uh, the the evaporator side, of the where it's plugged, usually is higher, so it's backed up with liquid and vapor refrigerant because it's not really doing anything. But the other right. side where that plug is, it's it's ref- it, either refrigeration effects happening, you're lowering that pressure. So. Gotcha they're checking drain heaters on uh on uh heat tape making sure heat tape's working so like big box warehouses like costco's and other stuff like it, it's a pain to get in there like during startup a lot of times to get the you know drain heaters checked or they start putting stuff in there but every single job we run the same problem the electricians are moving stuff around and they end up turning off the heat tape and then they end up freezing up the pans so it's like every job. So like now, like when I'm doing startup, I check it once a day, you know, to make sure that before I leave those, those pant, those, those heaters are on. I'm surprised you haven't made it standard practice with, with some of these bigger stores. Cause you know how much money that it costs you, right? Uh, you know, you know how much it's going to cost you to have to drop all the, you know, all the pans, get all the fucking ice up, clean that up. Um, we, we need to make a push to make it standard practice that you have a, uh, a DI um, on like on the, on the uh, heat tape. So if it's not pulling the proper amount of amperage, it throws out an alarm, say, Hey, this is fucked up. You need to go take a look at this before it becomes an issue. So if I'm doing change outs, like specifically like MT change outs at, at that store and I have to pull a wire over there, like towards mm-hmm. that way, I end up adding a temp sensor at each end of the box for the heat tape so i use a temp sensor and i just strap it to the line by the heat tape and then set an alarm up if it gets to 32 degrees then for like an hour then it's going to alarm out gotcha for the heat tape failure i would much rather be there for a heat tape failure alarm and know the heat tape went out and uh fix that than anything and then i really wish they would stop putting damn gfcis on heat tape they have to though because of the water, right? I don't know. Like they fail all the time. They nuisance trip so much. Like I, I can't even tell you how many WalMarts I've had nuisance trip, heat tape, you know, and then like sixty foot of drain line is just split everywhere. Like I, I refuse to start fixing like drain line anymore. Like I'll, I'll patch it up every once in a while, but it's all getting replaced. Yeah, we need to make that start starting standard practice. So any of you, you know, uh, customers are listening, start putting uh, start putting DIs on on the heat tape because it'll end up saving you a boatload of money. Rather have a call going to fix the heat tape right away than than let it ice up and you, know, you have a big pile of ice on the floor. What were we gonna say? I think temp sensors are slightly more responsive with it. Well, I mean, okay. I mean the yeah, but like I mean, what what is an average cost to change the drain to freezer depending on like how big it is like, it's got to be every bit of like a five four to five thousand dollar bill depending on what it is i guess it depends on how big the copper is and, and how long of a run you're talking right i mean typically True. it only ruptures at one at one spot right no i always usually get it in like six spots lucky like, you well you fix one spot then it's like it starts going and all of a sudden it's leaking over there and you're like just you know, then you're fixing it again. Like, but me personally, I hate it when guys run heat tape just along the bottom of the pipe. I like it wrapped. No, I agree. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I agree with you. I don't understand. I don't understand the method of just running it underneath because it's expensive. Oh, the heat, the heat tape. Fuck yeah, heat tape is expensive. Oh, I don't even care. It's it's getting wrapped all the way around. See the problem, the problem is like on service that's fine, like you could just wrap it all around because you're building you're building a customer and it's gonna it's you know it's gonna be better. But like on construction, I get it. When you're you know heat taping all the, that many drains, I mean that's big money. 
No, so, I get it. But I mean, you know, you're asking for service issues in the future. Correct. You're asking for it. That's why it needs to be a spec. 100%. I agree. Yeah. And then like Armaflex is outrageously expensive too. Yeah, it's almost it's more almost more than some of the pipe. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like 2-inch armor is more than pipe. God damn. I, oh, I mean, man, it was we're squirreling and getting off topic. Thermal yeah. imaging. Yeah. <laughs> All Sorry. right. So, I'm going to be the voice of reason this time. So, door gaskets, obviously you can find door gaskets with it. As you're checking through there, you're going to see the doors red and you're going to see all this blue blackish, you know, tint on the outside of the edges of the door gaskets, outside edges of the door. That's where the air is leaking out. You have cold air leaking out. Now, vice versa, if you're inside of a freezer or a box and you're scanning it and you see it glowing orange red, you could see like air penetration leaks. So boxes leaking air where they, they haven't se- sealed the silicone in there real good or foamed, uh, line set penetrations, stuff where you're getting air into these you know coils or like you're checking inside the coil electrical penetrations and you're getting air in through there, like stuff where you're having all frost and stuff all over the ceiling. I don't know how many times I've walked in there with a thermal imager and it's like I'm looking over the electric or everything else and, oh, shit, there's a three-quarter inch whip here that, you know, bringing power into the coil that uh, they didn't seal up real good and air's leaking down it and causing moisture to get in the freezer and causing ice droplets on the, on the tops of the, uh, on the tops of the box, you know, during defrost or like penetration leaks or seal leaks, or you get the actual seams in the box. You can see when they're shot and there's, you know, ice in between them and uh, you're, you're starting to get, you know, air leaks there, but it's, it's, Looking for air leaks and uh, penetration leaks is you could show uh, proof now. You tell a customer, hey, look, you have all these air leaks in your box. Your box is shot. You know, they're just going to, you know, you send them some pictures, you know, maybe a couple split seams. And there's like, yeah, whatever. You know, the, every box looks like that. Well, you take side by side pictures like my imager takes dual, dual pictures. It takes a normal picture and then it takes an infrared picture. So you show side by side pictures. OK, here's a split here. Here is. The temperature difference of the air entering here, like this is plain and simple. You could see like giant red line. And then my favorite thing to use it for is case troubleshooting. So meaning like multi-decks with product temp issues. So you could see, you could scan the whole multi-deck. You could find a fan out. You know, you could be scanning 60 foot of case and you could see one fan out. You see that one section, especially Hussman cases, you see that one section's running warmer or you know it's slightly warmer than the other sections it'll lead you right to it you'll see blue all the way across and all of a sudden you'll see like an orange spot where it's slightly warmer and you can walk over there and you can check your airflow oh got a fan motor out here you know it, it's a lot easier to check for case issues especially in pms or if you have a customer that decides you know they know better than a manufacturer they're going to put their own shelves in here and they're doing pushers or they're doing pegs you know, and they don't believe you about the the shelf on the bottom, which is, I mean, for the most part, there's public published literature about it now. But if they don't believe you about the shelf on the bottom or needing that airflow pocket or that air that simulated shelf there for the airflow, you could show them plain as day. You're shooting it with a thermal imager, and all that product in the front will be like bright red where the pegboard is or the pushers are. You know, it'll be glowing red or orange where everything else is blue that's where that airflow is just you know disturbed so or like seeing stuff when uh you know it's overstocked over the product line you know they don't believe you you can look at look through there like we we were doing a bunch of fast alert commissioning for kroger like two years ago and i mean that thermal imager i mean made that job so much easier because those fast alerts probably 80 percent of what you're doing is fixing airflow issues in cases and retraining the store how to use their cases because now they're putting these temp sensors in the warmest spots of the cases and they're all return air basically so it is basically test testing these cases to the limit and there would you would not believe how many stores we found fan blades that were wrong airflow issues i mean but the thermal imager was like a key thing in there it made our job so much easier because we're able to go through these cases and just see right away okay boom this case has uh it's going to fail the fast alert commissioning no matter what because i mean this section's warm right here we're not getting airflow on this or we have 
you know, air blowing into the case, disturbing the airflow. We were able to see like, you know, like, okay, this vent is blowing into the, into the vent, into the case. And, you know, it, it's causing the, the front product to run warm and the return to run warm. So then we're able to, you know, address that. And then, okay, we adjust the, you know, the, the diffuser a little bit. And now we have, you know, the, the, the case is back blue. It's at, it's back, you know, not high temping in that one section, but that thermal imager makes that troubleshooting side of it a lot easier. So I would like to see some of the pictures because my, my thermal imaging camera isn't nearly as cool as yours. Like, I don't think it's, it, I don't know which one I have, but it doesn't show, I don't think it's going to show the resolution that you actually have on yours. Yeah. So like, that's a big thing we, we could talk about real quick. So resolution and cameras. So the higher the resolution, obviously the better the thermal image is going to be the, the higher the resolution, the higher the price tag. Now I bought this thing like, five years ago so it was super expensive now they've come down like a ton like you can you can get the one you got i think it's a flare uh like tgi 65 or something i'll take is it, it, like, it probably is it like the handheld one or is it the one that looks like yeah. a phone so yeah. it's a handheld one like united has them um a lot of the supply houses around here have them they they sell them it's it's like 300 bucks it may even be cheaper now. Yeah, that was I think that was two years ago when I when I bought mine. Um, it, it's a great tool. Now it, it, it's a great like beginner tool. Like you know, if you're gonna spend three hundred bucks on something, if you're gonna spend one hundred and fifty dollars on a you know infrared thermometer, save your money and get that. It, it's a thousand times better than an infrared thermometer. Like a little IR gun, like those those are useless. Yeah, so I think it's I think it's the no, it's not the K sixty five. Never mind. That's that's eight grand. I don't know which one I have. The TGI one six five. Yeah, that's it. That's that's the cheapie one. And what do you have? The K K sixty five. My mine's a E six. E six. So mine was like four grand when I bought it. Oh my god, Cotter. E six E six. Yeah, um, four grand. You say? Yeah, it's probably way less yeah. now. It's yeah. Well, it's only twenty three hundred dollars. Yeah, obviously technology, everything gets better and faster. So here's what I would recommend for you guys. You guys going to spend the money on something like this? You could buy a Flare E4, okay, for a thousand bucks. You can get them on eBay for like eight hundred and fifty dollars. You could hack them for what? like yeah for nothing and make it an E8. So the the E series, the only thing different in the E series is the software. The hardware for the resolution in the camera is the same sensor. So the only difference is they unlock the hardware in it or the, the software in it. So an E8 is like a super uh, sensitive like camera. It's really high, vi high, high has high uh, resolution in it. An E4 is like is lower resolution. But just by hacking it, you can Google it. There's like so many Reddit threads on this. It's, it's honestly not that hard. Yeah, I'm going to have to. Can I do it with my 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 cheapy one? No, like it has yeah. to be new series. But like, I mean, Fluke makes these. Testo makes these. Uh, Flare makes them. Me personally, I like Flare. Flare is like the the the, the, the top dog in the uh, in the thermal game. I mean, they're the ones that make all the military scopes and everything else. I mean. Flare thermal imagers are great, but I mean, if you can't, you know, spend a thousand dollars on thermal imager, the one that Brett has is, you know, perfectly fine. It's not a thermal imager per se, but it's a thermal camera. Yeah, well, so, I, I, yeah. I, I, I misunderstood when I when I bought what I was getting. Yes, it, it's not a full-on thermal imager, but I mean, it's good enough for you to use for like troubleshooting and stuff. But like finding, like seeing all the case issues like I have, it, it's it's tougher. They also do make like I think it's Seek makes one that plugs into like a iPhone or Android yeah. that you can have on the bottom. I mean, obviously that you're only going to get so much resolution with that, but you know you could you know use it to you know troubleshoot like you know basic things. Then you're going to walk in your house with it, and you're going to hate yourself because you're going to see every little air leak in your house and every little problem in your house 
And then you're going to spend the next like three months trying to seal air leaks in doors and windows. And like it, it, I, I still am not fixed all the air leaks in my house. Yeah. So I'm looking, looking right now, the E4 is only good down to negative two degrees Fahrenheit, but goes all the way up to 482. Yeah. I mean, you can buy those things for like 900 bucks to a thousand bucks on eBay. But it, does, but it doesn't do the, the the lower temperature. If you want, if you want the one that you want, if the one that you have, I'm trying to see how low. Okay, so this one, no, same thing. Temperature range is only going down to negative four degrees. So niche heat for like you know checking anything under negative four. Yeah, I mean it still works in the freezer. Like I use mine all the time in the freezer. No, but I'm saying to show an accurate accurate temperature. That's all I'm saying. It's it's fairly accurate, but I mean, how often are you checking like? you know, inside of a freezer. I mean, you're, you're using it to see air leaks. You're not going to be measuring like suction line temperature with it. Well, that's what I, mean, I was thinking. I can get, I can start doing that. Yeah. I mean, that's not going to work very well. Um, you know what? Something cool. We actually use this for like uh, Anthony was having problems. With the newer frames at the Aldi's like they weren't, uh, they weren't sealing the whips right per, uh, per se. And we were getting ice behind the top mullion covers and all the, uh, the raceways, but all the mullions would uh, amp out. We're able to see the ice chunks behind the, the raceway covers before we pull them off. You could see like the, the middle raceway covers and all the, all the cases were, you know, like that. We ended up pulling one of them and I didn't have to pull all the, all the raceway covers to, you know, to take pictures of the manufacturer to come fix it. I was able to pull one raceway cover and then take the thermal imager and, you know, duplicate it over and over and over again. You know, it just makes your life easier. I mean, it's not a tool you absolutely need, but it makes your life a lot easier. When you get 16 hours to do a PM and in eight hours you do the work in 16 and you have more time to spend doing other stuff like cleaning the rack room or, you know, being more thorough and not having to rush through a PM because like a lot of the, a lot of BS stuff, like finding fan motors and finding door frame heaters out that busy work to keep guys working. Like you, you flew through that because you're able to see it all, you know, with your bare eyes instead of, you know, go to each door with a non-contact thermometer and see if, or a non-contact volt stick to see if it actually has argon charge in it still. Gotcha. So, all right, guys, that's it for thermal imaging. Thanks for listening. Later guys.